0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast and the first edition of 2021. Happy New Year. I'm Damien Fantato, the digital editor of FT Advisor. Last year was a bit of an experience, which has changed many aspects of life, such as shopping, meeting friends and family, and providing financial advice. And of course, the fact that this podcast is still being recorded remotely. So. I'm joined by FT Advisor's crack team of reporters uh, to discuss what <laughs> 2021 might have in store. Joining me are Imogen Chu, Amy Austin, Rachel Mortimer and Chloe Chung. So before we get going, I took uh, a quick moment to have a look at last year's uh, podcast of uh, looking into 2020 and how many of you think that coronavirus was mentioned once? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I do not think we even know existed, did we?
0: Yep, you're absolutely correct. It wasn't mentioned a single time, which uh, goes to show how much of a successful prediction exercise this podcast (laughs) is going
1: to (laughs) happen. It was a twinkle in our eye.
0: On that basis, let's uh, get cracking trying to predict what's going to happen in (laughs) 2021. (laughs) Imogen, we'll we'll start with you. One of the big uh, topics uh, of of 2020 has been property funds uh, yet again. Um, and that's something that you think is going to be a, a bit of an, uh, an issue during 2021 as well, don't you?
2: Yeah, so um, I think one of the most interesting things to kind of look out for in 2021 will be just how the property fund market fares, really. Um, they're facing a bit of a perfect storm um, at the turn of the year. They were all suspended from March until September um, and have gradually started reopening since uh many are invested in the retail and office space uh which investors are cautious about at the moment given kind of working from home and online trends caused by covid they're expected to continue past the crisis so um you're facing funds are suspended and they're invested in areas that investors might not be too confident about. And then on top of that, you have the FCA mulling its kind of 180 day rule. So it's not certain that this will come in yet, but all things are kind of pointing in the right direction that the SCA will go for this rule. This will mean that uh, investors will have to put in a redemption request and then wait six months to get their money back. Um, so this will be a really key area to watch really. Um, in terms of how popular they'll be next year, I think on the investor front, it depends on whether they think the office and retail space will make a comeback or if they buy into the fact that property funds can kind of capitalise on any new trends within commercial property. Um, for instance, kind of infrastructure, industrial logistics, a number of fund managers have been kind of re their portfolios to to that sector. So if they kind of back that, then maybe. Um, in terms of advisors, I think it depends on how seamlessly they can put property funds with a six month redemption period into their centralized investment propositions or how well platforms can deal with the weight. Um, many people have kind of said, oh no, they're not gonna be able to deal with it. But I mean, they've been dealing with suspended funds for a year and and before as well. So. So we shall see, really, whether property funds uh, remain a popular part of a portfolio.
0: Mm, yeah, this has been an issue going back to twenty sixteen, if not further. Um, more generally speaking, uh, are, are are you um, are people expecting from from the market? So I know we all this is all usually a good op- time of the year when uh, people start predicting what's going to be happening. Uh, what, uh, <laughs> what do you hear?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, obviously, it's been a pretty horrific year for markets or at least kind of they had a horrific time um in the the initial crashes caused by the coronavirus um in terms of equities next year i think it's pretty safe to say that we will see markets that have been worst hit by the pandemic benefit most from any global recovery so uh the u.s markets are kind of up year to date despite the the crashes in march so probably won't see them. Uh, kind of soar once global economic markets recover, but places like the UK and Europe, we might see kind of an actual really good turnaround uh, in those places. Uh, This also links to kind of a value growth turnaround of sorts. I mean, it's been touted for more than a decade now that value is going to come back in favour soon. And one day, you know, it actually might, but um, typically value stocks do well when economic growth is strong. And they do really well during that period so although it wouldn't be wise to kind of back value completely i imagine that in our well, analysts are saying at the moment that it's good to have a little bit of value in your portfolio because when it does well it does really really well so it would be good to have something there for whenever that economic recovery does happen um i mentioned the us briefly and uh, it's a bit crass to kind of brand the us market as solely technology stocks but they have been the driving force of us markets so it's important to mention uh, tech is unlikely to die down anytime soon it's become kind of part of our makeup even more so since covid um but it's probably likely to slow down a little bit um now it's not all about equities though and so in terms of bonds i think government yields are predicted to stay historically low throughout the year um i'd actually just personally predict that we might see investors move away from government bonds quite a lot. They no longer provide that kind of diversification cushion that they so regularly have played that part in a portfolio because yields are so low that, I mean, if there was any kind of crisis, where are they going to go? So they're probably not going to provide that bounce. Corporate bonds is a bit of a different story, though. Uh, Thanks to government support around the world, there has been kind of little in terms of defaults of corporate bonds and they're providing pretty steady and good income at a time when income has kind of dried up so yeah well i reckon we'll see the uk and europe prosper on any economic turnaround and corporate bonds is a place to go for income
0: Mm, we're going to hold you to every single one of those predictions (laughs) Um,
2: this time next year (laughs) And
0: we ended last year with um Quite a bit of activity on the, on the platform acquisition front. So, there's Novia w- was bought last month by um, by a private equity firm. There was a lot of speculation about Nucleus um, mm. as well. Some people came in and out for that. Um, James Haywin as well. Um, you expect that's going to continue.
2: I do. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The platform space was dominated by mergers and acquisitions in twenty twenty. Um, so yeah i do think that um we will see more of this happen i think it's kind of taken as true that it's cost pressures that drive mergers and acquisitions in the platform space um it's increasingly like a scale game so uh, the larger your platform is obviously the if you've got thin margins the larger you need to be in order to make those margins kind of profitable and um we've seen cost pressure increase over the past two years which i think has driven this trend and I mean, it, we're not looking at kind of fees getting any higher anytime soon. So, yeah, I do think um, we will continue to see MA in the platform space as people want to scale up in order to kind of just stay alive, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of M and A, that provides me with uh, an opportunity to just seamlessly segue into our uh, friend Rachel Mortimer. Um, in the advice market, there's M um, and A has been something that has just been going on for quite a while. Did the crisis have much of an impact on that? And is there going to be a hangover going into 2021?
1: So I think. There were the firms that pulled back from the from the pipeline of deals and the, and the market slightly when the crisis hit. Um, it was sort of batten down the hatches and, and look after the clients and the assets that you had um, at the time. However, I don't think the pandemic had quite the dampening effect that was first predicted on deal activity. You had quite a few smaller IFA uh, deals sort of ticking along in the background throughout the year. And also some bigger names such as Fairstone was very active in the the M&A space, as was uh, the relatively new entrant, Consolidator, uh, Independent Wealth Planners and the likes of Kingswood. Um, So certainly there was sort of a lot, there was a decent amount of activity going on. Um, Partly that's down to the fact that a lot of deals are already in motion, um, before the pandemic hit. So whilst it may have taken a little bit longer to get it across the line, um, certainly they were sure to happen at some point in, in the year anyway. Um, and also some of the biggest driving factors behind why principals put their businesses up for sale in the first place, such as an ageing advisor population and rising regulatory costs and a, you know a hardening PI market are still very much there and still very much factors in... Um, sellers coming to market. So so that didn't change. And there was also plenty of demand from uh, the buy side as well, Uh, both from consolidators and bigger advice players that are already in the market. But also we know that private equity um, buyers are increasingly interested in advice firms and see them as a real uh, source of recurring income and and a good business model.
0: Mm -hmm. And um we ended last year with the FCA's paper on the RDR and the advice market. Um, what um, do you think uh, we're likely to see in 2021?
1: So, yeah, you're right. It was, it was long awaited, that paper. Um, there'd been a couple of delays behind it and also um, the FCA has just finished its consultation period for the call for input on consumer advice, uh, and and uh, the businesses in, in that industry are certainly going to be under uh, scrutiny next year. Not necessarily scrutiny in a bad way, but um, scope for innovation and improvement. And innovation was actually one of the uh, the biggest sort of buzzwords in the uh, FCA's review of the advice market. Um, they wanted to see more of it. There were concerns of the price clustering and um, a lack of competition it did admit that the the industry has come a long way in the years since those uh, rules were first brought into place Uh, but they were very much of the opinion that there was more work to be done and one of the biggest other bigger things that they highlighted in that paper was um, a focus on robo advice Um, as we all know robo advisors have struggled to sort of um, make a profit in the last couple of years Um, and the fca acknowledged that but very much sees it as a potential answer to um, improving the uptake of advice with perhaps less affluent consumers. Um, However, the industry has sort of uh, fought back at that slightly and said, yes, whilst obviously we'd like to access more consumers, uh, and the more the better, especially in the wake of the crisis when we know that more and more people are seeking financial advice. Um, Mm -hmm. One of their biggest sort of bugbears is actually to innovate and to shake up pricing requires cost on our part. And we're already seeing the pressure of rising regulatory costs and um, PI premiums. And there's not much room for movement there. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest concerns that was flagged as a potential stumbling block to innovation in that area next year, this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And are there two or three things that are um, likely to be at the top of the um, the industry's wish list?
1: I mean, as mentioned, we couldn't go into the first podcast of this year without mentioning uh, the campaign for lower FSCS fees and um, (laughs) a more accessible (laughs) professional indemnity market. That has been um, increasingly at the top of advisors' wish list last year and I can imagine also this year as well. Um, Although, I mean, the additional FSCS supplementary levy that was slapped on the advice market, a few months ago, uh, suggested that those calls weren't necessarily being answered, but we can only hope. Um, Also, a a huge sort of push behind uh, scam campaigns and uh, a need for greater awareness and securities and consumer protection put in place uh, to to protect the most vulnerable from financial harm and scams. Uh, That was very much a theme which professional bodies like uh, Pimfer and the PFS got behind last year, and I know that I know many advisors who share that same cause. Uh, so yeah, that's another one that I think, and yeah. as is the FCA, as is the FCA So yeah, another one that I think we'll see a lot more of this year.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of wish lists, um, for many people, it's it's a, it's a wish list to uh, get onto the property ladder, and the uh, mortgage market has been uh, in a bit of a state of flux over the uh, over last year. Um, One of the issues uh, that I suppose is outstanding for 2021 is the uh, state of stamp duty and um, how that's going to affect uh, the mortgage market. Uh, Chloe, uh, I'm going to bring you in at this point. What what are you hearing? What what do you think?
3: Yeah, um, as mortgage brokers will know, the stamp duty holiday and the equivalents in Scotland and Wales will be coming to an end on the 31st of March. Um, If you look back at the past couple of house price indices from nationwide, you've got headline figures like annual house price growth reaching five-year highs with the stamp duty holiday playing its part. Um, But it also comes with with a warning that activity could slow, especially when the stamp duty holiday ends. Um, The intermediary Mortgage Lenders Association has also warned that demand could fall immediately after the stamp duty holiday deadline. But they've also mentioned the five-year anniversary of the stamp duty surcharge that came into effect on the 1st of April 2016. So where you usually pay an extra 3% if you're going to be owning multiple residential properties. Um, If you look back at data from HMRC, it shows that transactions peaked in March 2016 before that surcharge was introduced. And there was coverage four years ago about landlords rushing to meet the surcharge. Um, if those landlords took out a five-year fixed rate mortgage, there's an opportunity for remortgage business there. So although we could see property purchases drop when the stamp duty holiday ends, to an extent this might be balanced by those landlords looking to remortgage. So it's like you've got one stamp duty change coming to an end, but you've got the influence of another stamp duty change from five years ago having a recurring effect.
0: Mm -hmm. I suppose it's been a bit of a a, a year of flux for um, the mortgage market, generally speaking. Uh, You've had, particularly at the 90%, 95% end of things, you've had providers coming in and out and in and out. Do you think that's likely to continue?
3: I think when the sanctions nuclear holiday ends, demand falls away. That should help with service levels. I think lenders have been coming in and out because of the service levels. If that is no longer an issue, then hopefully there will be more consistent offering.
0: Interesting. Um, one uh, one uh, area where there's uh, also likely to be or rumored to be tax changes is, is around pensions. Um, I'm I'm hitting all the marks with my segways. Uh, in this episode and um i'll use this opportunity to bring in um amy uh there are constantly rumors about changes to pension tax um what uh, what do you think our chances are this year um
4: see this is the question about every year and every year some everyone's like right tax relief will definitely happen this year you know we're definitely going to see changes and every year at budget i'm sat there sweating waiting to write my articles and nothing comes along <laughs> um so i want to be optimistic And say there will be changes due to COVID and the debt having to be paid off but at the same time I feel like it might be pushed on for later years to you know give people the chance to come out of COVID and not be ambushed with loads of tax changes that they then have to you know understand and also it's not just for you know um, clients it's for advisors as well you have to realise you know that they have to get their head around it pensions tax is not an easy thing to understand and um you know it's if there's more and more and more changes like every year it feels like they're catching up um and just when they think they've got it bam changes and they've got to you know change everything along with it um yeah we could we could see it we couldn't but i think if it's going to be anything um you know higher rate pension tax relief is going to be in their sights um you know there's talks it could go down to 25 percent Talks it could be 20 or 30 like who knows who knows what number they're going to pluck out um but what we do know is that there are many people who are against it um it probably will not be welcomed especially among mainly advisor clients who will you know who we know are mainly wealthy um so I can't see them being very happy but Industry experts I've spoken to have previously said to me if there were going to be changes in this area, it needs to be you know really well thought out and thought of every single like consequence of this change. Not like oh whoops this is what's happened because of this and we didn't think that that would happen. Kind of like what's happened with the taper. You know it was introduced and now we have these of issues and people said you know it should just be scrapped because we don't need it. So we kind of want to avoid another situation like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And one, one of the other areas that um, there's been a trend in certainly has been the, the growth in, in sasses, which is small self-administered schemes, isn't Very it? Very
4: well done.
0: <laughs> uh, excellent. I'll give myself a prize later. Um, and why, why do you think that is? There has been that growth in, in popularity there. Is that likely to continue into 2021?
4: Yeah, people I've spoken to have said, you know, they do think 2021 will be the year of the SAS. Mainly due to their loan back feature, people, you know, are enjoying it. And even back last year in April, um, some providers saw the number of loan backs being completed in SASEs like more than quadruple, which is, you know, kind of never been seen before. And lots of people were coming to providers like advisors saying, oh, you know, we want to set up a SAS for our um, clients, you know, something they're looking to do, you know, where normally it would kind of be a SIP if people are looking to invest and do this sort of thing. Um, because obviously, because obviously sas's and SIPs are similar in the way that they can do property purchases. Um, But SAS is the only thing that has this loan back feature, which businesses tend to like. So I do think that we will be seeing, you know, more of these, but then that, obviously comes with its problems because we have seen before that, you know, SAS just can't be set up on a whim. They have to be registered with HMRC and this can take time last year and the year before, I believe um, there were, you know, cases that were taking months. Um, So it it has gone down to weeks now, which is where it kind of should be. Um, But if there is, you know, an influx of people looking to move to this pension scheme, Then it may be that this time goes up again and advisors will not be very happy because, you know, if you want to do a property purchase or a loan back, it's a it needs to be a quickish turnaround, you know, otherwise you might lose out on this property or, you know, you need this loan for your business. And if you're sitting there waiting for a SAS, it's not great.
0: Mm. And any thoughts about what's going to happen in the SIP market?
4: Um, I mean, the SIP market will still be busy, you know, there's still a lot going on, there's still cases rumbling on you know the Kerry case is scheduled for its appeal in March so we still have that to look forward to whether anything will change who knows you know will there be new evidence will there be new arguments will different judges see it in a different light we don't know yet um, but I guess the the industry will welcome clarity in this area Um hopefully as well there'll be you know less SIP providers going into default on the back of claims so yeah uh, last year we did see still a number of SIP providers going into default um, hopefully this will not be the same for this year you know with all of these claims and advisors having to pay out for them um, however one area where the FCA has kind of shifted its focus into more you know international advisors international SIPs and this seems to be a trend that's coming up so maybe all is not free in the SIP market
0: as of yet. Great. Well, thank you, Amy. Well, that's very interesting. Lots to look forward to uh, there in uh, 2021. Uh, It's just a shame that it's all going to be derailed by the the inevitable plague of locusts or the the water turning to blood or. Darkness for three days, or some other biblical plague that is going to hit us uh, in about mid March, I think, is when these things traditionally traditionally hit us. Uh, thank you very much to Imogen, Amy, Chloe, and Rachel. And thank you very much uh, to you for listening and tune in again next week.
2: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast.